Welcome to Beauty and the Ghee, the podcast about jujitsu and life. I'm Jen Eads, a white belt full of curiosity and questions about all the things jujitsu. And I'm AJ Klingerman, a Brazilian jujitsu brown belt obsessed with jujitsu. And we have a very special guest today. I, I can tell just by looking, you're a little excited. <laughs> I, um, so obviously the you know title of the episode tells you who our special guest is, but uh, Elizabeth, will you introduce yourself? Hi guys, my name is Elizabeth Clay. I am Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Black Belt and I won Female of the Year for 2020. That's awesome. That's so exciting. We've been sharing that a lot. So that's <laughs> <laughs> very cool. Super cool. And you just fairly recently got your black belt, correct? Yeah, I got my black belt in November. Nice. Was it a surprise? Um, Do you kind of so, know? I knew like probably like a couple weeks before I was training because I was supposed to do nogi pans and Samir was like, hey, you know, you're doing that. It's a black belt, right? I was like, what? <laughs> that's, that's a good way to find out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Very good. Then how did nogi pans go for you? So I ended up not actually being able to compete it because I wasn't a brown belt long enough. I think I missed the cutoff literally by like two weeks or something. Oh, that's yeah. Yeah. A couple years ago when I did nogi worlds, the week before the girl I was supposed to compete against got her brown belt. And so she didn't even have time to change her division. It was like too late for her to change it. She was just out and she was the only competitor I had that I was supposed to go against. So they ended up letting me move up to unlimited, but it was just like, man, that stinks. Like you either should have promoted her earlier or just waited a little bit longer. Yeah. But it worked out. (laughs) Yeah. So you're in California now, correct? Yes. I'm in California right now. So I was doing some research and I saw that you you started out doing gymnastics. Mm-hmm. And I was curious how that has impacted your jujitsu. I think the biggest thing that gymnastics probably impacted my jujitsu is the fact that like I already knew how to use my body, obviously. And I think a lot of people like their first six to eight months isn't even learning jujitsu. It's learning how to move their body and like how to like hinge at the hips and stuff like that because they have no idea how to do that. So when I started out, I already knew how to use my body. And then I already had that like flexibility and strength. So I didn't have to like teach my body how to do stuff. It already knew how to be an athlete. And so I think that definitely helped a lot. Do you feel like the gymnastics background also really kind of toughened you up? For sure. Because like I already knew how to put in like the hours. I already knew like just dealing with that type of like pain and everything that goes into it. That For me, like going into jiu-jitsu, I was like, oh, like this isn't a big deal. Was there like any habits you had to break that were anything that they're like, oh, that gymnast, like we have to <laughs> get that out of her. That's not going to work. <laughs> Probably like the idea. The only thing I can think of is like, I always like up from gymnastics, obviously you want to like point your toes. And so that <laughs> was a weird thing. But now it's come to help me because like footlocks and stuff, because my feet are so flexible, it can be kind of hard to footlock me. So, but that's probably the only thing. That's great news for me. I get made fun of all the time for pointing my toes when I do things. (laughs) All my girls are like, that sweep is so graceful with your toes pointed. (laughs) It's going to be the most beautiful camp this year between the dancers and the gymnasts. Exactly. We're going to be so graceful. (laughs) So you have, there's 10 of you all together sibling wise, right? Nine siblings. Is that correct? Yeah. So are any of them as like, hardworking and dedicated to whatever their craft is as you are? So four of my older siblings were elite gymnasts and then they don't do it anymore, obviously, because 
gymnastics is kind of a short career. Mm-hmm. So four of them were elite gymnasts. And then my younger brother, one of my younger brothers does jujitsu as well. He's a blue belt and he just turned 16. Nice. Is that the brother? So I read that you moved back to Alaska for a brief time um, to help get your brother to jujitsu class. Is that correct? Yep. That's awesome. I love that. That's really cool. So, and it's that brother that's now a blue belt, right? Yeah, it's that brother. Yeah. Was he grateful? Very. No, very (laughs) grateful. But to the extent he's like, you didn't have to do that. And I was like, I know I didn't have to, but I did. I just think I when I read that, I was like, that's just amazing, you know, to just take care of your sibling like that. And kind of, I mean, like a little bit put your your own dreams and goals on hold, not entirely, but, you know, kind of change what that looked like. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, that's really, really cool. So you started jujitsu in Alaska. I think everybody would like to hear how you went from the first school that you trained at and like trying to find where you would go to expand upon your jujitsu. So I started training at like a pretty small school in Alaska um, that was actually run by a purple belt. And I trained there for like, I think it was like three and a half years. And then stuff did not work out there very well for me. But I was already like, obviously on that way, I had already won double gold at my first Pan Am was a juvenile and then gold and silver at Worlds. And then I was coming back from Worlds. It just didn't work out and I couldn't go back to train there. And so I ended up not having anywhere to train for like two weeks. And then a couple hours away in Anchorage, the new gym had opened up and I was like, okay, like I need to train. I had no thought of like moving there. I was going to move out of state to go train. So like I went in and like gave it a try and I was like, no, like I like this. And then I don't have to leave Alaska and then I can go here. So I was, I literally like just turned 16 that week. So I ended up moving, talking to him and my mom talked to him and like, basically told him everything that had happened at the previous gym and that like how it hadn't worked out and like why it hadn't worked out. And then basically explained like what I wanted and was like, is this something you can handle? Because not every gym can handle athletes. Like it's a, it's different. It's a whole different thing just running a gym. So like talking about it, he's like, no, this is what I like doing. And so I ended up going and training there for like a week or two because he wanted to make sure that I liked it first. And then good. he ended up finding one of the families there that, that, that I could stay with for, I think I stayed there for a couple months before, until my family could move up as well. And they ended up being an Aries affiliate. Like I, I happened upon Aries completely by accident. There was no, like, I want to be Aries because of this. Like it ended up happening by accident. Like I just kind of stumbled upon it. So your family ended up moving to Anchorage. Yeah. Kind of for your training. For my training and for my siblings as well. Yeah. So for David and stuff to train too. I love just as a family, like how much you guys are all willing to sacrifice for each other. So you're pretty close with all of your family? Yeah. For the most part, my whole family is really close, especially like me and my mom and then my younger siblings. That's awesome. That's really cool. What are you looking forward to teaching at camp this year? You guys will have to wait and see. And also, I kind of ah. like, I kind of also like to run stuff where I don't completely decide what I teach everything. I kind of like to do it like 50, 50 because I like to teach what people want to learn and also what they're having questions and problems with. It'll kind of be a surprise for me too. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. That's fun. So typically just in talking about camp, and I guess we should have probably mentioned that on the podcast. um, And we probably mentioned it before, but (laughs) Elizabeth is one of our instructors at the next uh, role model camp. So for several years now, we've had Rachel Casillas close us out on Sunday 
And I think I have her Friday night now just to kind of get everybody pumped up. She's intense and a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> I'm just glad she won't be after breakfast. I know. That's a, yeah. Not, <laughs> not to have her after breakfast Sunday morning is going to be nice. <laughs> but um, one thing she's always been really good at on Sunday is kind of seeing what the weekend looked like and kind of pulling it all together. So just in um, you saying that, I feel really good about you being able to kind of see what everybody's having trouble with and what they are having questions about throughout the weekend. And that'll, you know, kind of help you figure out what, what you're going to teach them too. So that'll be a lot of fun. Perfect. So I think currently I have you on Sunday. I think that's what it looks like. So, but yeah, it's, it's going to be an amazing camp after talking to Christina, Jen, and her being so surprised at how many people we had. I was like, I should probably make sure Elizabeth knows how many people we have at camp. <laughs> so right now we, we've, we've surpassed the 100 people mark. We're over 40% sold out. So it's, we're definitely on our way to 250 women at camp. Nice. That'll be awesome. Yeah, it's going to be amazing. It's a really just great experience as a whole like it's it's a lot of jujitsu but it's not just jujitsu like we do a lot of other things too we have a party saturday night that's 80s theme so get your best That'd 80s be outfit ready <laughs> <laughs> before you were even Bring born yeah, <laughs> wasn't born then but yeah <laughs> yeah exactly you can look it up it's all coming back it's fine <laughs> Yeah, I keep like d- like changing what I'm going to wear and stuff. It's going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> Do you know what the breakdown looks like yet as far as different belts? Currently, uh, I would say we're about a third white, a third blue, and a third purple through black. And that's just the the rough look at what I've done or what I've seen so far. Last year, we were the probably least amount of white belts we've ever had. And I think part of that is just because you know, it's a pandemic. So the the blue and above were like, we're doing jujitsu. You know, there was more of that mentality where the white belts were more cautious about it, not as just crazy about jujitsu, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, we, we, we've made some adjustments to where if people are still concerned, they'll be able to still have a good camp experience. But yeah, I think we'll end up with additional white belts this year, you know, kind of bring those numbers back a little bit. Yeah. Get my people there. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I know, Elizabeth, you know, kind of talking about the gymnastics a little bit that you wanted to do the Olympics. Like that was your goal. Do you feel like you have any regrets that jujitsu ended up being your path instead of gymnastics? Um, I'll always miss gymnastics, but the reason I quit is because I wasn't getting enough hours. And so I wasn't really going to go anywhere with it. So you can't really regret something when you quit it because you weren't going anywhere with it because yeah people weren't giving you enough hours so no I'll miss it obviously but like at this point in my life like gymnastics is such a short career I would basically be over by now anyway yeah that's kind of how I look at it that's kind of what I was thinking too is like you would you would be about the end of your gymnastics career but you're really just getting started in jujitsu I mean you have an amazing career so far but like you're how old are you I had 20. 20 I I turned 21 right before the camp, actually. Nice. (laughs) Very nice. So, yeah. So, I mean, you're really just getting started. How was it to handle the pressure of being instantly famous, basically, as a 16, 17-year-old athlete? 
I think the hardest part for me, it was rough at first, especially like because I was still in Alaska. I think if I had lived somewhere where I was still where I was getting it regularly, I would have had like kind of like small exposure mm-hmm. over a long period of time. And so it would have been okay. But because I lived in Alaska, I literally like won and then like got a lot of attention. But then I would like went back to Alaska. And then but then as soon as I would like travel out for competitions, then I would get like all at once and especially because i'm traveling for competitions with all the jujitsu people there it was like a ton of attention people asking for pictures and stuff like that and like obviously like now i'm used to it but then like not awkward kid but like shy so then when people are coming up and talking to me like i don't know what i'm am i supposed to hug you am i supposed to say let's take a picture am i like i i don't know what i'm supposed to do so and obviously when people are coming up like they're shy so then you mix that together and it's just like (laughs) what are you doing (laughs) obviously like I got used to it over the the period of like time but it was hard for a while and like I would even I'd be like with my team and then people would come up and say hi and me being like a 16 17 year old kid I'm used to being the one that people are like oh by the way this is so-and-so instead of me I'm supposed like I'm here with my professor if somebody comes up and talks to me like I should be like oh by the way this is so-and-so but like I don't because I'm 16. Yeah. (laughs) And so I think stuff like that was rough at first, but like, it's obviously like, it's not like that anymore. I'm used to it now, but at first it was definitely like a shock. I had heard of you, like knew that what you had accomplished and everything, but didn't really look at a bracket and go, Oh, that's that girl. And uh, I think we were in the same bracket for Vegas in 18. And one of my teammates was like, just please don't have to fight Elizabeth. Clay. Like, she's going to murder you. <laughs> she was so worried for me. Like she's going to hurt you. You're too old to fight. Her. <laughs> like she, she was so concerned. <laughs> and oh I was like, God. wait, who is this? <laughs> like, wait, who? Okay. Oh my, that girl. Oh God. I'm in trouble. But it was fine. I got beat the first round. I didn't have to fight you. <laughs> Oh worked God. out fine. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> so yeah, it was it was hilarious. I was like, wait, who is this? <laughs> like, oh God, that girl. Okay, yeah. <laughs> that was the same uh tournament. I had to fight Maggie for like a cyborg's girlfriend, mm-hmm. wife. Uh, yeah. And uh I was watching her compete in gi and I had dropped down a weight in no gi. I was watching her fight in gi and I was like, she was beating the girl like 24 nothing. And I was like, thank God I'm not in that division. And then I was like, oh no, <laughs> I'm in that division in Nogi. <laughs> yeah, she murdered me for sure. <laughs> she was my first match. It was rough. <laughs> so yeah, it was a great tournament. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> Do you get nervous when you compete? Oh, always. I, I think people expect me to say no, but always. Yeah, no, I love that. I mean, I, you know, I think that's, that's good to know that, you know, there are always going to be nerves. Like, how do you deal with the nerves? A big thing, like it's just doing it over and over and over again, like you get Mm -hmm. used to it, putting on the headphones helps and just so one big thing that I do, I think a lot of people just sit there and they get so nervous, and they don't think about anything, or they think about like, one path that they want to do and then when it doesn't work they completely fall apart and so I'll just think of like any kind of scenario and like what I would do if I got there and just going over it because I think that helps like so that then you're ready for any situation because I don't think people realize how much what you're thinking about affects how you perform and what you do 
And I find some people that either get overly nervous and they're like, I'm going to lose. I'm going to lose. I'm going to lose. Well, you're going to lose because like, yeah, you're, you literally just like you, you went out there with the thought process that you were going to lose. So instead of fighting to win, like you fought trying not to lose, Yeah, you're going to lose. Or if you think of like just a basic takedown, pass the guard with this specific pass, go to mount, take the back, whatever. If that specific pass doesn't work now that no, you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. You see it all the time, especially with white and blue belts where they'll go mm-hmm. out there. They, they're good, good for like that belt. And then they have this specific pass that they want to do. And when it doesn't work, everything falls apart and they have no idea what they're doing. Yeah. yeah. So I think like just thinking of different things helps. That's good. That's really good. So now that you're a little more veteran at being famous. <laughs> How <laughs> difficult is it for you when like people want to come up and introduce themselves or take a picture when you're in like game mode, when you're getting ready to warm up or that day of competition? Luckily, people for the most part, if I have headphones on or I'm in my gi, they don't really talk to me as much or if I'm in no gi stuff. Like if I'm right about to go on, for the most part, I've had people not do that one time. This happened in 2018. I was at my first competition back after I'd blown my knee out and I think I was still like 17. It's the Atlanta open and they were just, they would start randomly calling people's name and they were like, you like two calls. And like, they hadn't been calling that division. They were doing that the whole day. So all of a sudden, like, I'm about to be DQ'd. I've got like two calls or or I think I have one call. They're like last call. And I was like, Oh crap, I'm going and like running. And as I'm like running, I've got a girl. She's like, I'm a big fan of yours. Can I take a picture? And I'm like, I, I, I gotta okay take the picture and i'm like right like i'm still trying to tie my belt like in the middle we're like oh taking the picture i'm like smiling trying to tie my belt so i'm about to get dq'd and i have to go compete but for the most part that's the only time that's happened like if i don't have headphones on or i'm just around like people come up and talk to me all the time at pan ams and this is like during the pandemic so there aren't as many people there every time i circle around i get stopped four or five times and i'm with my <laughs> friends and they're sitting there and they're like we can't even walk because of you. I was like, it's not my fault. <laughs> I can't and then, help it. And then me being me, I'm, I'm like, you're just mad that you're not famous. Maybe you should win something. <laughs> Sitting there. Try harder. Do better. <laughs> yeah, I was like, you know, maybe if you won some stuff too. Jerks. But then like, every time they're like, you know, we're just going to leave you. I was like, well, that's not very nice. luckily for the most part if i'm like actually at like about to go compete people see that and they respect that and so they won't come up and that's the only time that like i don't really like people coming up and saying something it's like if i've got my headphones on you know i'm competing if you want to come up and say hi and obviously like this is an extra step to take but if you don't mind doing it like check make sure i'm not about to compete half an hour an hour if I'm not, then like, even if it's day of competition, I don't mind people coming up and like saying hi and taking pictures. It's just like right before I compete. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Same for me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you are internationally famous, Jenny, just so we're clear. <laughs> With my mad white belt skills. <laughs> Some of the stuff I was reading too, I really love that you said that you like a complete game. You don't care what the rule set is. Like you're willing to fight in any of the rule sets. And I really like that. I think people get very stuck in 
being mad about various rules and not competing in certain things. And I think that if you want to be well-rounded at jujitsu, like you have to be willing to play whatever that game is. No, completely. I think it's a big thing. Like people either get like tunnel visioned on the legs and they're like, they're so grump. They're so mad that they can't do certain things. Don't get me wrong. I hit a certain point at like purple, the latter half of purple. And it wasn't that I was going to get be done competing, but I literally hit the point. I even told my professor, I was like, I'm done with this stupid stuff. I just want to be able to, because when I go for the sweep, they straighten their knee out, but I can't do it because I can't knee bar. <laughs> and like it hit that. And it was just the fact that like how people were defending it, like it made me frustrated. And it's like, I hit that point, but I think for the most part, people just either get so tunnel vision on the legs or the fact that like, they don't work legs that they don't want to compete something that does. And I think it's important to have a, a completely well-rounded game. I'm primarily a guard player, right? In competition. I play top all the time in training. I used to be a heavy top player. So like, I still have a heavy top game. I just choose not to do it in competition. And like, I can do leg locks, but I don't only do leg locks. I think if a lot of right. people look at like, they think of me, they think of leg locks, which is hilarious because if you actually look at, 2019 no gi worlds i only did two or three straight ankle locks out of eight submissions all the rest were other stuff it's funny how people get pigeonholed like that yeah you know that they think that's it we were at origin camp with dean lister and he dean was like everybody thinks i only do leg locks and he's like that's not even 50 percent of my submissions mm-hmm. like that i have finished in competitions like if you look at my stats that's just a part of it. And it's one of those things where like, don't ignore other parts of the body. Like there are lots of things you can go after. So do you think that's an advantage though? Because people are so worried thinking that they know what your game is that they kind of just forget about everything else. Probably, but I don't think it's as much the competitors that pigeonhole me as much as it is the average person. Cause if you talk to most people in jujitsu, they'll probably they pigeonhole me as a no gi leg locker. Which is hilarious because I primarily trained gi for the first four years of my career. I didn't start training no gi seriously until I six months before I won the first trials. Not only did I not really train it, like I competed, like I obviously like I had wins in no gi, but I hated no gi. Not only was I like, oh, like I just don't really, no, no, no. I hated no gi. <laughs> hated it. Like they're like, oh, do you guys want to do gi or no gi? I was like, gi. And I looked at somebody, I was like, you want to do gi? We're doing gi. Say you want to do gi. <laughs> hated 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 nogi and so i just think it's hilarious and then i've won worlds three times in the gi i've won pan ams four times in the gi basically so i won worlds four times nogi three times in the gi but then i've won nogi pans three times and gi pans four times so it's basically about even what shifted for you just finding somewhere that actually trained it so a big thing for me and it's the same thing I tell other people that are like, I don't like Nogi. I'm like, well, if you're training somewhere that only trains it once a week, and let's be real, most places, what they end up doing is on a Friday, that's their Nogi day, but they don't actually train Nogi. They have you go roll Nogi. If you're just rolling Nogi, you're not rolling Nogi. You're rolling Gi without the Gi, which means you're going to hate it because you don't know what <laughs> you're doing. And that's the thing is a, a lot. I think it's starting to change now, but especially like then, like, most schools, it was on a Friday that you would have a no-gi class that was really just an open mat. And nobody knew what they were doing. So you had all these gi players that you're throwing into no-gi. And even the upper belts, it doesn't matter if they're upper belts, if they've never trained no-gi, they don't know what they're doing no-gi. And so for that reason, like, 
obviously you're gonna hate it because you I don't like I didn't know really what I was doing like I was still able to win competitions but I didn't like it because I didn't really I was never actually taught nogi and so when I switched schools and went over to the gym that was an Aries affiliate legacy they did a lot of nogi but they actually did nogi so I was actually able to learn nogi and actually enjoy it and I think that's a big thing that changed it is I actually started doing nogi instead of doing gi without the gi yeah. yeah. I think that those are all great points. Like, <laughs> It's very different. I mean, it's it, it's similar, obviously, but it's a different sport. There's a lot of different things to do. As far as like kind of talking about like being famous early and, you know, when you were young or, you know, like from a young age, yeah. did you have trouble dealing with haters? All the time. All the time. <laughs> how how did you handle that, especially at such a young age? How did you, how were you able to deal with that? So luckily the gym where I trained, primarily my older siblings trained in gymnastics. Um, there were a lot of like Olympians and high level athletes that came out of there. So I already kind of grew up with that. And then I think a big thing was like my mom. And then, so I always thought, I was like, if you have haters, you're successful because people don't hate until they're like super jealous. And if you have a big, if enough people know you to hate on you, like that same thing right there. And so that's kind of how I looked at it. It's like, it just means I'm getting successful that I'm having that. I always knew that it was going to be a part of it. I get messages all the time of people being mean or comments and stuff like that. And it doesn't matter. Like there's some random person that's probably sitting on their couch or that's jealous or that hates their life. You can not like someone, but you don't, if you're comfortable in yourself, you don't feel the need to go and like give them hate. You can not like someone. If somebody asks you about them, like, no, I don't like them. Like that's not giving someone hate. That's just being honest. But if you feel the need to go out of your way and like message someone, give somebody hate, you hate your own life. That's why you're doing it. So that's just how I look at it. That's good. I think that's great. Cause I think that's something that anyone deals with at any age, especially because of social media, like having, you know, people make bad comments and all that kind of stuff. So you being in the spotlight at such a young age, I'm glad that you were, you know, raised that that was going to be part of it and kind of, you know, how to deal with it mentally. Elizabeth, what are you looking forward to coming up for the rest of the year? I have my first competition as a black belt in March. I'm doing the Dallas Open and not jujitsu related, but I'm flying back up to Alaska at the end of March slash beginning of April for my friend's wedding. So that'll be fun. And then obviously teaching later this year at the camp and then hopefully setting up some other seminars and getting some other fights in there. Sounds like a good year. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for spending time with us. We really enjoyed this and I cannot wait for camp. So excited. It'll be awesome. If you haven't already registered for camp and hopefully what, when you're hearing this, it's not already sold out. You can register at rolemodelswanted.com. I'm sure Jen will put the link in the show notes. <laughs> you know I will. <laughs> you're so good. <laughs> Elizabeth, where can they find you on social media? On Instagram at Elizabeth Clay BJJ, but it's Elizabeth with an S, not a Z. Because people always mess that up. And I will put a link to that in the show notes. Very good. <laughs> and uh, I'm AJ Klingerman, everywhere you go. I'm at Brassy Broad Jen in all the places. Good. And together we're Beauty and the Gee podcast. And you can find us on Instagram and Twitter and the Facebook group. So join us there. And 
I just put on our Instagram today. You can listen to the podcast in Audible now. Nice. So for all of our little, you know, book geeks, if you're like, I don't want to have to get out of my Audible app, we're in there. We're just waiting for you. (laughs) We're waiting for you to get bored with that book and come find us. (laughs) Thanks for listening. And we will see you on on the mat. mat.